Today's teaching text is uh, taken from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. He, this is Jesus, he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets." These are the words of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, that story starts off nice, doesn't it? Starts off really with with a bang. Um, And what we have in Luke chapter 6 is uh, sort of a snapshot of the ministry of Jesus, or at least sort of like the nature of the characteristic of the ministry of Jesus. And so that's just simply what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about Jesus' earthly ministry and how all that God has for us has been made accessible to us because of Jesus' ministry. So here in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, we see some important things about the nature of Jesus' ministry. And I'm really going to focus in on, on basically one big idea, and it's this is that the ministry of Jesus is one of power and of word. Of power and of word. So primarily, this is what we see in the ministry of Jesus. So we just read the teaching text. I won't go through and and read the the entire beginning of this again, but but, but I want to help you sort of set the scene in your mind about what's happening here. So apparently, Jesus and his disciples have come down from a hill or a mountain of some kind, and they've stood down here in a plain. And according to the scriptures, they're just droves of people. Now, Jesus' popularity is, is increasing rapidly. And there are droves of people that have come to hear Jesus and to, and to receive power or healing from Jesus. So you, you can see in the text that they've, they've come from all over this, this, sort of, this sort of river region. And uh, it says that there's a large crowd of his disciples. Oftentimes when we think about the disciples of Jesus, we might only think of the 12 disciples. But we know that Jesus had many, many, many more disciples than the 12 that are written about that, that followed him around almost sort of in full-time, uh, as a full-time sort of job or life. But there are many of Jesus' disciples that are gathered here, and they're interspersed here now throughout this massive crowd, some of whom aren't disciples but have just come to hear him and to be healed by him. 
And uh, I think that's a really powerful thing to consider. What are the two reasons for, for being on the plane that day? What are the two reasons that the Gospel of Luke, that Luke himself gives as he's writing this account of the story, what are the two reasons for the people being there? They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, and they wanted to be healed by him. In fact, Luke reverses, uh, re- no, no, that's exactly right. I was going to say Luke reverses the order. I'm going to take him in a little bit of a different order in a second. But Luke says that they came to hear him and to be healed of, of their diseases. Now, I don't know if when we were reading the, the teaching text, this struck you the way that it struck me when I was preparing for this morning, but this idea that people who are troubled with these um, impure spirits are being cured, but that there's this mob around Jesus and they're trying to get at him. They're, they're trying to actually touch him. And the reason that Luke gives for this is he says that there was power coming out of him and healing them all. Now, that's a that's an absurd sort of scene to to sort of recreate in our minds. That here's Jesus, he's teaching, he's he's probably laying hands on people, he's speaking to people's various diseases, they're being healed, but there's something else happening that Jesus can't contain. It's like the power of Jesus is literally spilling over onto people. And it's like, people just know, if I can just get close enough, then I'll get in this power, whatever it is, and Jesus doesn't even have to know me or see me, I just have to get in that, and then I'll be, I'll be healed of my own diseases. That's what's happening on this, on this plane in this story. And um, it's, it reminds me, maybe it reminds you too, of that story when Jesus is moving through a crowd. He's been asked to come because uh, um, an official's daughter was sick and dying. And he's been implored, would you please hurry, would you please come, otherwise my daughter is going to die. And Jesus is moving, trying to move through the crowd, and there's a woman in the crowd that reaches out and grabs Jesus' robe, the hem of his robe. And the Bible says that the power of Jesus went out of him. And Jesus doesn't see the woman, he doesn't know who she is. In fact, he stops and he says, who touched me? Jesus recognized that there's something that happens, and then the people begin to recognize there's something that happens in proximity of Jesus. When you get close enough to Jesus, something powerful happens. You might even be healed. Now, if we we take a step back from the story for a second and recognize that what Jesus is actually doing here in Luke chapter 6 and in the previous chapters of Luke and the other Gospels and then in the chapters that will come, what Jesus is actually doing through his ministry on earth is he is delivering the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Jesus is literally God in human form. And you can picture Jesus maybe in an old sort of like Jewish UPS sort of get up if you want. Because what he's done is he's come to deliver the kingdom. He's actually brought something with him. It'd be odd if the UPS guy knocked on your door and you answered, and there's no package. He's just standing there like, hey. That would make zero sense in my world, unless you have a friend that's a UPS person. I don't. Not that I have anything against UPS people, but that would be an awkward thing. We expect, of course... Someone who's delivering something to to actually have that with them. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's delivering what the people thought. Well, at least what they imagined he had come to deliver. Now, the nature of the thing he was delivering was quite different than the nature of what they thought he was delivering. 
But nevertheless, he is delivering on the promise that the kingdom will come through the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. And now Jesus is fulfilling this. Jesus comes as Messiah. And so you almost get the sense as he comes here, now back on the plane, as the powers are sort of like leaking out of him and spilling over, you almost get the sense that the power of Jesus is like involuntary. Like the power of Jesus almost has a mind of its own. Like it's uncontrollable in some ways. Like the woman in the crowd. Well, I wanna, I wanna think for a second and I wanna help us get clear on what it was exactly that Jesus is delivering by his ministry. Why was he, what was he delivering through his healing and through his teaching? What was it that he was actually bringing to bear on the earth? Well, I use the term kingdom, and we could use the word kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. And if you've been around for more than two weeks, you've already heard me teach about the kingdom of God because we teach about it almost every week. The idea before Jesus about the kingdom was related to this messianic expectation, meaning that before Jesus, the people of God connected with uh, the Jewish uh, hope for the future. They connected this idea of kingdom, believing that the kingdom that God would bring or deliver through the Messiah, through the chosen one, that it would be a future empire just like the rule of David had been. Well, David sat on a physical throne. David ruled over a physical kingdom, a nationalistic kingdom. And first century Jews at the time of Jesus, they were looking for a king like King David, an anointed Messiah that would lead them to political power through military might. That's what the people in the plain think Jesus is delivering, but that is not what Jesus is delivering. Because when Jesus spoke of the kingdom, most people, though they thought of a literal kingdom led by the Jewish people, Jesus was, was not talking about a temporal or a nationalistic kingdom, nor was he speaking of some sort of like future, um, uh, like a, a future utopian heaven like we, we often think about today. Jesus was actually, when he's deliver, what he's delivering is his rule on the earth. Uh, so let me put this in the context of the larger story for a second. Just go back to the beginning. Remember that, this, that our story begins with God creating the world and all things in it and calling it good. And, uh, and, it, and, and it is good. All things exist together now that God has made in this perfect shalom, this peace, this wholeness. And then at the center of the world that God made is a garden, and the garden, we can understand, in essence, is kind of the realm of God. It's where we see in the book of Genesis God walking around and enjoying the creation that he's made. And then in the center of the garden, we have Adam and Eve. This is the crown jewel of creation. It's humanity. And they are called, in Genesis, the Imago Dei. And Jesus has wired into his creation his very image the image, Imago Dei, image of God. And so in the center of the garden, we have the image of God, man and woman, male and female, Adam and Eve. And in the garden, we see Adam and Eve, like I said, walking around in the cool of the day with God, their creator, enjoying the shalom, the wholeness, the peace that was theirs. But then we see Satan enters the story, and he enters the story in the form of a serpent. And what does 
Satan do? He deceives. He deceives the image of God in humanity. He deceives Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve believe the serpent more than they believe God. And when that happens, everything was lost. All that God made, all of the fellowship, all of the shalom, all of the wholeness that the world enjoyed, that man and woman enjoyed, that humanity enjoyed, all of that was lost. And now, to get us caught up to where we are in the story, Jesus enters this, there's this long history of Israel through whom Jesus comes, entering the story in order to undo the curse of sin that happened way back in the garden. And Jesus has come to renew all the things that God had made. John John Wimber wrote that Jesus had come with one main purpose in mind, to destroy the activity of Satan in the world. Two of the ways Jesus did this was to heal the sick and cast out demons. Well, we see Jesus doing that, don't we? Not just here in Luke chapter 6 on the plain, but we see Jesus doing this throughout his ministry, throughout all of the Gospels. What I want you to see is that the ministry of Jesus is about making what is true in heaven real on earth. This is what Jesus' ministry was accomplishing. This is what Jesus is delivering. It is all the things that are true and valuable in heaven, Jesus is delivering those to us on earth. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus begins his public ministry and and Mark begins to write his gospel, Jesus announces, well, first he calls the people to repent and believe the good news. And do you remember the good news that Jesus called them to repent and to believe? It was that the kingdom is at hand. What Jesus is saying is repent and believe the good news. All that's true in heaven is going to be true on earth through me. That's here now. This is the work that's begun. And then all of Jesus' ministry unfolded as the delivery of the kingdom of God or delivery of the realm of God so that the world once again as it was in the beginning becomes the dwelling place or the realm of God defined by good, shalom, wholeness, peace. The ministry of Jesus we see First, is defined by power. Jesus can't deliver all that's true in heaven without bringing with him power. Power to overthrow the enemy of God. Power to undo the curse of sin in our lives. Power to heal all that's been broken due to the fall. When Jesus shows up, he shows up in power. His ministry is one that is defined by power, but it's not only defined by power. The ministry of Jesus is also defined by the word. So here we have Jesus. He's down on the plain. He's with a bunch of disciples and then just this huge crowd of who knows who who's shown up to, to hear Jesus and to be healed. And then again, the the power of Jesus is almost involuntarily spilling out on everyone, healing them. And then we get to verse 20, which sort of just seems like a simple little sequitur, but I think it's really important. Luke chapter 6, verse 20, looking at his disciples, he said. So in other words, the power of, of, of Jesus is spilling out healing 
and in the healing, beginning to deliver the kingdom of God. And then Jesus interrupts what's happening. He stops, and then he finds his disciples in the crowd and says he looks at his disciples, and he said, he said. The power, sorry, the, the ministry of Jesus is about power, but not only power. It's also about what he has to say. In that sense, the ministry of Jesus is also then defined by the word. So we have Jesus here. He's delivering the kingdom by his power on earth. And then, after delivering the kingdom, he defines it. See, if, if, if Jesus were just to, in his power, deliver the kingdom, we wouldn't really know what to do with it. We really wouldn't know how to live in a world that, when we wake up in the morning, still looks pretty broken to us. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to be healed and then to wake up in a world in desperate need of healing. How do we live in a world like that? How do we participate in this thing? God, what is it that you're actually doing? And so we need the power of God, but we need to be delivered Uh, to deliver the kingdom for us, but we also need the word of God to help define what it looks like when the kingdom of God actually comes. How how do we recognize if if Jesus' whole thing is delivering the kingdom on earth, then how do we know where it is? That's important because we want to celebrate where we see the kingdom coming. How do we know where it isn't? That's important so that we know that we can go there and engage in the ministry of Jesus to see this place or this issue or these people experience the power of Jesus to restore, to redeem, to renew them. We need Jesus to define what the kingdom looks like so we know how to navigate this new world because a new kingdom demands that we live in new ways. Simply put, the life of Jesus makes no sense on earth. Listen, I've been a Christian for a really long time, and the life of Jesus makes so little sense to the life of a New Yorker, it's not even funny. I mean, how do you even survive in New York by living like Jesus? It is counterintuitive at every point. The life of Jesus makes no sense on earth apart from the kingdom that he's establishing. Because what we're being healed of or what we're being healed for is new life in a new realm. A realm that's not defined by or governed by the authority of Satan or the world, but a new realm that's defined by the authority of God, our creator. And so to experience all that God has for us, we have to know how to live in this new life once God has given it to us. What's so strange about what Jesus says here in verses 20 through 26, and you should hear in the words of Jesus on the plain echoes of Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. Luke's format's a little bit different, um, Uh, People are sort of uh, debate whether or not this is the same sermon or a totally different scenario. But all of the essence of both what's preached in the Sermon on the Mount and what's preached here in the Sermon on the Plain, the essence of that is the same. It draws our attention to this 
this upside down world that Jesus is living in and inviting us to live in alongside him. Because according to Jesus, both in the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew's gospel and here in the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's gospel, in both of those places, according to Jesus, that which is cursed in the world is blessed in the kingdom. And that which is blessed in the world is cursed in the kingdom. It's, It's a trip. It's all upside down. And here we have a group of people experiencing the power of God, the kingdom coming to them with no real clue then of what to do or where to take it or how to experience or how to live in it when the rest of the world is governed by a completely different set of rules. Jesus isn't equipping us to live in the world as it is being broken. Jesus is equipping us to live in the world that will be, which he is making, which he is redeeming us for, which he is renewing all these things around us for. He's teaching us to live in that world. I mean, we don't have to do a lot of sort of exegesis here to know that the world, in, in the world that we currently live in, that it's the poor, the hungry, the sad, the excluded, it's those people who are cursed. And it's the rich and the well-fed and the happy and the accepted. They are blessed. Now, that's not so different, is it, than some of the churches maybe that we've been exposed to or grew up in. Meaning there is a doctrine even within the church that says if you are wealthy, if you are whole, if people think well of you, then that is God's blessing on your life. And I only have one problem with that. Jesus said the opposite. That's the only problem. Besides that, cool, let's keep living that way. But in the kingdom... The rich, the well-fed, the happy, and the accepted are cursed, while the poor, the hungry, the sad, and the excluded are blessed. Now, I'm not going to go into all of that and what I think that that means. Jesus is not just making some blanket statement, if you have money, you're cursed. That's not what he means. If you're happy now, well, just watch out. You're going to be crying later. That's not Jesus' attitude at all in the sermon that he's preaching. It needs, some more, it needs some, more, uh, some more depth, some more understanding. But the point I'm trying to make is what seems so obvious to us as Christians living in this world is oftentimes just, just quite different than what Jesus actually imagined our lives would be and look like. And the stuff we take on, the shame or the guilt or whatever it is that we take on because we aren't experiencing what the world calls blessed, this is really good news because we may be experiencing what Jesus calls blessed. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. We haven't been forgotten. We have not been overlooked. Jesus is delivering the kingdom. And what's true in heaven will be true on earth one day fully So if you try to live, this is a point I kind of want to make this morning, if you try to live in the kingdom without the word of Jesus, you will be lost and you will be frustrated at every turn. 
Because Jesus has turned everything upside down. The power of God in Jesus, yes, is making all things new, while the word of God in Jesus is teaching us how to actually be in that world. And there are some of us that want our lives to be healed while also pursuing the world's blessing, or what the world calls blessed, at least. And there are some of us that want what heaven calls blessed, or what Jesus calls blessed, while actually avoiding Jesus' teaching or Jesus' words. And I think we learn pretty quickly in the Gospels that both of those are exercises in futility. To want what heaven has for us while pursuing what the world is offering does not work. And it seems to me like because Jesus turns to the disciples and delivers this sermon, it seems to me like this is a very specific thing for disciples of Jesus, for followers of Jesus. And so I think it's safe to say that true followers of Jesus, true disciples of Jesus, both experience his power and live according to his word. So if Jesus is sort of pieces together now, Jesus is delivering the kingdom of heaven on earth so that all that is available to us in heaven is now available to us on earth through Jesus, at least in part now. And in order to get that, we need the, the, the curse of sin to be reversed in our lives. And we need instruction so that we know how to live in this, this new way. I'm guessing that some of us are struggling to live as whole disciples of Jesus, living in abundant life, because, probably because of one or the other. We're struggling with the power piece. We, we have deep needs that have been brought on by our own brokenness or our own sin or the sin of the world or the sin of others upon us. And we need to experience the power of Jesus. And until we really experience that, it's going to be very difficult to live this abundant kingdom life that Jesus has made possible for us. And then the opposite is true as well. Some of us, maybe we've experienced the power of Jesus, but we're just sort of continuing to live as if nothing else has changed in the world. Like whatever Jesus has done in us is going to work outside of the kingdom of God, and it is not going to work. Disciples of Jesus experience his power, and they live according to his word. In other words, they are being healed while learning how to live upside down lives. I think this is what we call discipleship in the church. I think discipleship in the church is this idea of hearing Jesus and being healed by him. Learning to hear him, to recognize his voice, to follow what he's put down for us, to obey his word while we are experiencing the power of God in our lives here. So how can we hear and be healed by Jesus today? Can we? Can we see something like what happened in the plain in Luke chapter 6? Can we see that happen in this church? Can we see that happen in our small groups or in our families? How can we hear and be healed by Jesus today? Because I think Luke makes a point at the very beginning of this story that is super easy to overlook. In verse 17 of Luke chapter 6, when, Jesus, when Luke says that he went down, Jesus went down to them and stood on a level 
place. I don't think that's just about geography. I think that's about accessibility. Jesus comes down on our ground, our turf. He literally does that as a baby, being born as one of us. But he's also doing this spiritually. He's making it accessible to us. He's come down to a level place, making both the power of God and the word of God accessible to us. And I've talked a lot about being able to live in in the kingdom now, at least in part. And that's an idea that we we, we live according to as as a community. It's our understanding that what Jesus began in his public ministry delivering the kingdom will be consummated one day. In other words, it'll be completed in the future, but that it's unfolding in our midst every single day. We can experience more and more of the kingdom of God that Jesus has delivered. George Ladd writes that we live in the presence of the future in that sense. That's what Jesus came to deliver, to make possible for us. So how can we hear and be healed today. I'm going to quickly, I'm going to barely even give any sort of descriptives of these. I want to give you just four, you can call them practices or pursuits. We use that language a lot, but um, I want to just give you four ways, four things you can actually do to begin to, like these people who had gathered around Jesus, begin to move in closer proximity with Jesus so that his power might spill out, meeting whatever need it is that you have here today, and so that you may hear his word and therefore know how to live in the kingdom now. So number one, how can we hear and be healed by Jesus today? Number one, immerse yourself in the word of God. And you're probably thinking, isn't that always one of your application points? Yes, it is. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Listen to the gospel of John, verse six. I'm sorry, chapter six, verse 63. The spirit, John says, gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. I think we can understand this also as contrasting, again, the kingdom and the world. The kingdom, the spirit gives life in the kingdom, the flesh counts for nothing, are the pursuits of the world that lie outside the kingdom. The words, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. The words I've spoken to you. So regardless of where you're at, some of, some of us in this room this morning, we probably say maybe we're searching or we're open to Jesus. Others of us, we've, we might say, well, I've, I think I've moved beyond that. I'm more than open. I'm, I've actually begun this faith journey with Jesus. And others of us in this room, we've been doing that for a while, and we'd say, well, I've, I've moved beyond, beyond that. I'm actually growing in my, in my faith, in my relationship with Jesus. And then other, even others of us in this room would say, I've actually been doing this a long time, and though it doesn't always correspond with time, I'm actually maturing. And with some level of confidence can say, I'm mature in, in Christ. And regardless of where we're at, if we want to gr- draw closer, where we're at on that sort of scale of spiritual progress these steps of spiritual growth, regardless of where we are, if we want to draw closer to Jesus, we immerse ourselves in the word. From the person that's just open and asking questions about Jesus to the person who's been walking with Jesus literally their whole lives. You want to get closer to Jesus, immerse yourself in the word of God. 
Practically speaking, read a little bit of the scriptures every single day. Get a, find a friend in this room and say, would you start reading the Gospel of John with me? And then you and that friend just decide when in your week you want to meet, just for a little bit, for coffee or tea, you choose, and, uh, and discuss what it is that you're reading. It's that simple to begin taking steps toward Proximity with Jesus so that his power and his word may be known to us. Number two, believe the word of God. So don't only, don't, not only immerse yourself in the word of God, but believe, believe the word of God. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? Believing. So that by the, whole, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. If you want what Jesus is delivering, you want the kingdom life now, then we need to understand that belief is a choice that's fueled by God's spirit. You can actually choose what to believe. You know your mind doesn't have the final say. You can tell your mind what to believe. Did you know that? You can. And if one more person tells me you can't, make me feel a certain way or tell me to feel a certain way. Well, that's true. I probably shouldn't do that. That's bad counseling. But the truth is we can also choose our feelings. Did you know that? Like according to the scriptures, joy is something we can choose. And so is believing. It's a choice. So believe what you read. Here's a little encouragement. From your daily reading then, so you're going to be reading a little bit each day. From your daily reading, just write down something to believe out of what you've read. Just write down something to believe. Let me give you some examples. As you're reading, let's say you're in Philippians and you come across this verse, I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just write that down. I just read that. I'm going to choose to believe it. I can do all. I'm facing some really tough things. But I think God's going to give me the strength. I am actually going to choose to believe that today. Number two, or not number two, second, second example. I believe that he who began a good work in me will not stop until his work is complete. Believe that. Or I believe that even though I have trouble in this world, I can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. So when you start to believe those things, you start to experience the kingdom now. When everything else in the world is contrary to the kingdom, we immerse ourselves in the word and then we believe the word. Thirdly, we pray earnestly. So we want to immerse ourselves in the word, we want to believe the word, and we want to pray earnestly. So you say, gosh, man, I really want God's power in my life. Well, ask him for it. Well, I can do that? Yeah. He tells us to ask him for it. That's prayer. Asking God daily for his power. God, make true in me what what was true of those people on the plane that day. God, make true in my heart and my life what was true about that woman that reached out and touched you when you weren't looking in Jerusalem. Acts 1.14, all these with one accord uh, were devoting themselves to prayer. This is the disciples after Jesus ascends to heaven waiting. What they're waiting on, they really didn't quite know, but they're waiting. And what they did while they waited was devote themselves to prayer and then power fell on that house literally changing the course of human history. So if you want the power of God's spirit, ask him. 
And finally, obey the Holy Spirit. Also one of my favorite little application points. You have a choice today, and you will have many choices this week, to either live according to the word of Jesus or not. To live according to the instruction of Jesus or not. To live according to the will of God or not. We will all make choices this week whether or not to actually do what it is that we sense God telling us to do. And John says in 2 John 6, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. You know, sometimes the power of God comes first to us. But sometimes the word of God comes first. And so don't leave discouraged, leave hungry today. Leave hungry for what you have not experienced. Leave hungry for the authority and the clarity and the wisdom of God's word to you. Leave hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit, 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 power of the Holy Spirit to be loosed in your life, to change your life in an instant. Leave hungry. And can I leave you with a final word? My final word is this. This is John 14, 12 now. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Now wait a second. You mean like when the power of the Spirit involuntarily kept pouring out of your body and healing people? But Jesus, do you, do you mean like when you spoke with authority and clarity and wisdom? Is that what you mean, Jesus? That's exactly what Jesus means. Now that is almost unbelievable. Jesus is saying, look, you will do the works that I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What I want to leave you with this morning is this. We are co-ministers with Jesus in his ministry. In other words, Jesus didn't just come to deliver the kingdom and say, peace, have fun with that. He delivered the kingdom and they said, come on, now you who've experienced the kingdom, now it's your turn. Now you're going to do these things too and you're going to do greater things. So come on, let's keep the project going. Let's see tomorrow look more like the kingdom than today. Come on, you're co-ministers with me. Jesus says, I will equip you, that's what the church is for, and I will empower you by the Holy Spirit to do what I did. The life and the ministry of a disciple of Jesus is authenticated by the power and by the word of Jesus. So as I close, I want to pray for three groups this morning. So I want you to think about, okay, which of these groups do I, do I belong, if, 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 any, if any of the groups? First, I want to pray for those of you who long to experience the power of Jesus this morning. Man, there's just something... Something in your life you just can't overcome. And you want to. You want to forgive. Or you want to be healed. Or you want to be forgiven. Or you want to break that pattern. Or you want 
your relationships to be restored. I want to pray for those of you this morning who long to experience the power of Jesus. The second group I want to pray for, for those of you who long to live more faithfully according to the will of God. This is not an easy thing to do anywhere. It's it's especially difficult here in this city. To live our lives not according to what the world calls blessed, but to live according to what Jesus calls blessed. To live in the kingdom now. I don't even know what's happening. Maybe that is some sort of power thing. Great. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, Third, I want to pray for um, those of you who desire to minister to others like Jesus. When I read that last verse, there's something in you that like leapt, like maybe even felt like a little jolt, like, oh, yeah, I want that. Yeah, I I want Jesus to do something through me like that. I want Jesus to do greater things through me. Not so that you can have the glory, you just love to participate in the thing that God is doing. So I want to pray for, for you as well. Um, so if you're in the first group, Derek, would you just pray for me? I long to experience the power of Jesus this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Let me just you can raise and just put it back down. Great, great. Okay, yep. Okay. Okay, who else? Anyone else? I really want to experience the power of Jesus in my life. Let's ask Jesus for that now. Holy Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Just come right now in power. Whether it be a whisper or a jolt, just come. in the first group, just continue to pray. Just open yourself up to the Holy Spirit this morning. Allow him to minister to you. Now in the second group, those of you who long to just live more faithfully according to the will of Jesus, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you this morning. I want to live more faithfully according to the will of Jesus. Yes. It's a bold prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, and equip these men and women to pursue the things that you bless and to leave behind the things that are cursed in this world. Come equip us, Jesus, to to be like you when we could be like anybody or anything we wanted. We could live in utter obscurity in this city. We can get lost in the crowd. God, don't let us, don't let these men, don't let these women. Father, equip them, inspire them, create in them a hunger for your word, to know your will and to live according to it. God, I'm so excited. I think about the freedom that will come when we live this way. I think about the wisdom that will come. I think about the discernment that will come. 
I think about the witness that the church will become. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to live according to the word of Jesus. And finally, this third group. Say, man, I've been sitting on the sidelines too long. I need to get back in this game. And I want to, I want to minister to others like Jesus. I want to minister in the power and the word of Jesus to the people I work with or live with or live around. If that's you, you just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes, God. So yes, God, we just open ourselves up. You've actually called us and empowered us for these things. Now, would you just release us and release within us all that we need to just simply be filled with the Holy Spirit in a way where the Spirit just spills out a little. There were quite literally, Father, strangers that we come in contact with on the street that they might come to know the healing power of Jesus through us. Father, that the students in our classroom would experience the kingdom of heaven in that room for the hours that they spend there Monday through Friday. As God, use us. Use us in the way that a, a loving father or mother brings their child along and gives them something to do, to contribute. Use us in that way to contribute to the thing that you're doing. We say yes to you, Jesus. We're open to you. Continue now to just fill us, to call us, to equip us, to empower us, to be true disciples of Jesus today. By your power and by your word, I pray. Amen. We're going to create some space this morning to take communion together, recognizing Jesus as our source. And um, when we, we come to Jesus because we meet him in, in his suffering. We come to Jesus because this is where the power of God is poured out for the whole world. It's in his death and in his resurrection. And so we come first receiving what we need. So for those of you that prayed for power this morning and those of you who desire to live according to the will of and the word of Jesus together, we're going to come this morning, we're going to take this as God's promise to us and his fulfillment to enable us to pursue those things and to make true in us the things that we've asked for this morning. And for those of us who have prayed for power, we can't give away what we don't yet have. And so we come today to receive from Jesus. So we can just give what Jesus has to give. We've got nothing on our own. He gives us everything to give. And so we come to him receiving so that we might go back out and give. I'm going to ask all of our prayer leaders to come down to the front this morning. If you're a small group leader, if you're a prayer leader, if you're an elder, um, please come down to the front and let's just be prepared to pray. Take a step this morning. If you're praying for one of these things, just find one of these people and say, hey, would you just quickly pray for me? I don't have to turn into some big, huge thing, but would you just pray for me? I really want this. I really desire this from God this morning and let's trust him to meet us in this. Father, we receive from you this morning. Holy Spirit, we say yes to you and receive all that you have for us this morning as we come.